Welcome to Season 3 of In Search of Peace and Healing. I'm your host, Celia Boone. Hello and welcome. This is Celia Boone and you're listening to In Search of Peace and Healing. So... Now we've made it to the year 2021. I don't know about you, but it seemed like the first seven days of the year have been pretty rough. So if you ordered a 10-day subscription free trial for 2021 and you don't want to keep the whole thing, you can go ahead and cancel now. If you didn't like the first seven days of the 10 days trial, just don't order the whole year. (laughs) Um, So, um, things are pretty chaotic in our world. And just because they're chaotic in our world doesn't mean that they need to be chaotic inside of me. Sometimes I allow the chaos of the world to creep into my mind and divert my attention from the things that are really more important. And, you know, when that happens, I need to, well, first of all, turn off the TV um, and do something that brings inspiration to me. It gives me joy, um, feeds my spirit. I was listening to some of the end of the year news reports, and there were a lot of reports about people who have um, their mental health has suffered during the past year, during the pandemic, especially. you know, whether it's because losing jobs, being sheltered at home, you know, lots of lifestyle changes have really um, been necessary. Wearing masks, you know, all these things that were just very, frankly, weird, unusual, strange, and not necessarily comfortable. Um. Another thing that was mentioned is that alcoholism is on the rise. Lots of people um, working from home and being at home with the kids and, you know, um, wine o'clock could be whatever time you wanted it to be. And, you know, some people have, who have been heavy drinkers maybe before, maybe crossed the line into alcoholism where, once they take a drink, they can't stop until they, you know, pass out or whatever. And um, so now, in my role as mental health educator and in my role as um, someone who is a sober alcoholic, who's been sober in long-term sobriety for 16 years. Um, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, how can I help? 
And for me, um, in, in all phases of my recovery, whether it's spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, a, a component of that that's actually made it a lot easier for me than I thought it was going to be was having a spiritual connection with the higher power of my understanding, God as I understand him, and um, that's very different. The God of my understanding now, or the God of my misunderstanding, because I don't understand God, I don't, I'm not nearly that bright or complex or whatever enough, he's divine and I'm human. But um, the God of my misunderstanding that I had from childhood, which was largely based on my mother's God of her under misunderstanding, um, when I was beginning my recovery in 2004, um, it was suggested to me that I needed to find a higher power that would help me and be for me and um, that I could count on to help me recover. And so I had some problems with that. I really did. I struggled with that because the God of my misunderstanding at that time was the God of my misunderstanding that was formed in childhood. And, um, I didn't think that God loved me or liked me. As a matter of fact, I thought that he felt scorn for me and that he just hated me, um, because I'd done so many things that were on the thou shalt not list. But what I found was that, well, I, I, I kept getting suggestions from people who were in recovery and were happy and peaceful and seemed to be lit from within and relaxed and, you know, um, had been sober for quite a while. And they were telling me that action, Taking action was the way, the best way to really be able to recover the most easily. It's not easy, but, you know, instead of sitting around thinking about what I should do or what I want to do or whatever, um, I'd done a lot of that when I was drinking and binging on food and you know, weighed 500 pounds and all that. I was always sitting around thinking about doing things and never really got them done. But I learned how to take action. And I was also taught that in order for me to be able to live a reasonably happy, healthy, useful life, I needed to take spiritual action every day. Now, what is spiritual action? Spiritual action can be in the form of reading. 
inspirational literature. It can be absolutely in the form of praying. You know, in the morning, ask God to help me to stay sober for the day, to eat healthy food in small amounts during the day. Um, you know, all these things. And to think about my, you know, what that I needed to do for the day and, you know, ask that my plans be directed and that I be given intuitive words, thoughts, and actions um, as I went through the day, those kinds of things. Um, spiritual action also is helping others. Even if it's going to the grocery store and smiling a big smile at people who look like they're unhappy or angry or sad. And actually just smiling at everybody and being friendly and kind. Um, giving away love, especially to those to whom love is a stranger. That's a spiritual action. And what I found was instead of sitting around thinking about my resentments and ways that people had harmed me, real or imagined, um, when I was helping others, even if it was just something small, um, it put me in a place of gratitude. And I would be grateful for the blessings that I had. And I wasn't sitting around wanting more than what I had. And that was a blessing to me because I spent a lot of time in my life um, wanting more than what I had. All I want is a whole bunch more than what I have. You know, if a little is good, way too much is best. Those used to be I would laughingly call my mottos. But I have come to have a relationship with the God of my understanding. The God of my experience. The one that works miracles for me. The one that I ask for signs. And if I don't get the sign that I ask for, I know not to take that direction. You know, when I have a dilemma, should I, you know, fix this broken car or should I get another car? You know, and ask God, if I'm supposed to fix this car, please send me and I name, you know, a tangible uh, or a visual object. Send me a purple Porsche in two days time, within 48 hours. And then, you know, I didn't see a purple Porsche on TV in any magazines or billboards or on the street or, you know, whatever. Um... A couple days after the 48-hour time period had expired, though, my husband and I would be driving around town and started seeing these black Porsche Cayennes 
Now the Cayenne is a um, SUV um, type vehicle and it just so happens to be my favorite Porsche um, of the models that they make. And so we started seeing these black Cayennes, sometimes several a day. And, you know, we'd be out for running errands for an hour or so and might see three or four black Cayennes. And it wasn't just the same one following us everywhere, you know, they, it was just random. And so we laughed about it. We thought it was funny, you know, to see God, um, the God of my experience has a sense of humor. And so finally, it kind of hit me when we saw our last black Cayenne. We were on the way to the dealership because we had, Ken had picked a car and we were going to go test drive it. And then um, we stopped at the bank to pick up money for a deposit, you know. And we came out of the bank, the otherwise pretty much empty parking lot. Um, there was our car, and right next to our car was a big, black, shiny Porsche Cayenne. <laughs> and I said to Ken in offhand, hey, maybe God wants us to buy a black car. Well, we go to the dealership, and they bring this car for us to try, and it's black Toyota Corolla. And the salesperson you know, was telling us about describing the car. And, and she said, and we just dropped the price on this $2,000. Just dropped the price. We had been willing to pay the higher price, but wow, 2000 bucks off? That's, that doesn't happen. But it did. And so, you know, it allowed us to have a lower car payment and, um, you know, we didn't know that there was a coming pandemic. And, you know, so now we have a car payment that's low enough to where we can pay it. And even though we're not bringing in as much cash as we were for a while, you know, we're okay. But I was thinking about the people who, either alcoholics that, have been in recovery and relapsed. Alcoholics maybe that have never achieved stable sobriety. Um, newly formed alcoholics, people who just have crossed that invisible line to where now once they start drinking, they can't stop. And then when they're not drinking... They have like a mental obsession. They're obsessed with thinking about drinking. And um, also people who have really um, are having mental health crises and are just having a terrible time with their mental health. Because see, without good mental health, we don't have good health at all. And... When our mental health is suffering, you know, when we're struggling with that, everything hurts. 
you know, everything's painful. I mean, this is what I have found in, on my own. Um, is that when I'm depressed, oh man, everything hurts. My pain receptors are just way too, um, they're overwrought. They just really amplify everything too much. So, but I was thinking, so what is it that people need? And it came very quickly to me, ah, oh, maybe they need a new God. Maybe they need to form a different opinion or, or have a different viewpoint or understanding of God. You're listening to In Search of Peace and Healing with Celia Boone. We'll return to this episode in just a moment. We invite you to visit our website, muchmoretosay.weebly.com. That's much more the number two, say.weebly.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There was a guy who uh, wrote a book back in the early 2000s, I think 2004. His name is J.B. Phillips, and he wrote a book called Your God is Too Small. Um, what he had found was that a lot of people were facing situations and things that um, basically the God that they had grown up with was kind of God in a box and that God wasn't big enough to really meet their needs in a modern society. Um, in a world where experiences of a life have been growing in myriad directions and mental horizons have been expanded to the point of bewilderment by world events and scientific discoveries, you know, people's ideas of God have remained largely static. So Phillips argues it's nearly impossible for an adult to worship the concentration of God that exists in the mind of a child of Sunday school age, limiting God to inadequate conceptions like the policeman of the universe, grand old man, meek and mild, managing director. And as a result of these insufficient ideas of God, many people live with an inner dissatisfaction or without any real faith at all. So, Your God is Too Small explores the ways in which we can find a truly full, meaningful, and constructive God for ourselves, big enough to account for our current experience of life, and big enough to command our highest admiration, respect, and love. Um, the Bible tells us that God is love. So... The very essence of love, that's what God is. That's what God is made of. 
And many of the things, most of the things that I learned about God early in life aren't compatible with God being the very essence of love. Because God isn't vengeful, hateful, unappeasable, cruel. Um, he's not indifferent to suffering. He's, you know, that's not how love behaves. And so the first time I ask for a sign, I ask God to give me a sign if he loves me and if I'm going to be okay. And I was newly sober and my life had just, my life plan had exploded. Um, my uh, first husband and I had separated and um, I wasn't able to work. Um, wasn't no one was going to hire me and I couldn't have kept a job if I would have wanted to. I was so physically and medically ill. So I asked God to give me a sign if he loved me and if I was going to be okay. And I asked him to send me three feathers within 36 hours. Well, I got the sign in less than 24 hours. I was in a bookstore in the section for like self-help and spirituality and a bright orange book caught my attention. I don't remember the name of the book or who wrote it. I just remembered it was bright orange. So I picked it out of the rack and flipped it open randomly and it opened to the first um, page of chapter three. At the top of the page, besides the big chapter three heading, there were three hand-drawn feathers. Hmm. Wow. That's three feathers. And then right below the chapter three heading, there was this little thing that said, God absolutely adores you. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. So I kind of like blinked my eyes, pinched myself. Okay, am I dreaming this or is this really happening? But I was really in the bookstore and it was really happening. Wow. So not only did God not hate me, he loves me a whole bunch. I was very relieved and happy, and crying, and I'm sure the staff in the bookstore thought I had lost my mind. Fortunately, there weren't a whole bunch of other customers. Um, and I just kind of turned around and walked out of the bookstore. Now, I don't know why I didn't buy the book, but I didn't. I had my sign, and God sure made sure that I knew the truth about how he feels about me. And, you know, my mother and other people that, you know, told me things like, the devil's in your heart, you're going to hell. God doesn't love people who hold on to sin and your rebellion is sin and da-da-da-da-da. Well, she was right. I was full of rebellion. 
And um, sometimes I still am. <laughs> I have to check my attitude frequently. So, you know, books like that can be a big help. Your God is too small. And there's another one, too, that um, when I was doing a little research, um, I found this book and I actually bought it. I haven't read the whole thing that I'm about a little more than a third of the way through. It's called God for the Rest of Us. Experience unbelievable love, unlimited hope, and uncommon grace. And basically, it's it's now it's available on Amazon. The uh, author is Vince Antonucci, and um, I'm just going to read you some of what it says. What does it feel like to be loved by a limitless God? God for the rest of us will wake you up to the outrageous, extravagant, and sometimes even scandalous love of God for the rest of us. Whether you think you are unfit or a misfit, an underdog or overlooked, the least or the lost, the left behind or the left out. Vince Antonucci, a pastor who reaches out to people on the Las Vegas Strip, has seen it all. And more important, he has seen God's love in action on each and every street corner. Vince is convinced that too many of us underestimate God and the scope of his love. God for the rest of us is Vince's story of how he faced God's breathtaking love or how he found God's breathtaking love at work among the people often forgotten and disdained by this world. Is God for the people who are forgotten and left out? Is he for the guy who betrayed his wife and left his kids? Is he for the doubters, the skeptics, the atheists? The answers to these questions can be found in the lives of people Vince meets. As you read their stories of transformation, you'll begin to imagine how your life could be changed if you truly believe that you are loved with a perfect love. You'll catch a glimpse of God, who is greater than your wildest dreams. So I'm reading the book, and um, I just wanted it to, to I wanted to mention it in case any of you want to go get it. it it is sold by other booksellers besides Amazon um, but you know you can google it and find it also um, one of the things that helped me um, when I was really trying to figure out who God was and this was before I asked for the sign my um, spiritual mentor suggested to me that I design my own higher power. If I could design a higher power that would be perfect for me, what attributes would that higher power have? And so I started thinking about it and I wrote down, I made a list of things 
you know, loving me unconditionally was a big one. Having a great sense of humor. Not being offended when I was mad or said bad words. Um, not taking it personally. Because, see, I was really angry with God by the time I hit bottom and um, started my recovery. Um, and I had to actually, in order to forgive God, I needed God to help me to forgive him. It wasn't that he had done anything wrong. It's just that I had resentment and, um, and I couldn't get rid of it on my own. I needed his help. I did learn during that time that when we're mad at God, when we're angry at God, we are fully engaged with him. And I also realized, you know, I don't have children of my own, but when I was young, I um, was kind of a nanny to my oldest brother's kids, three little kids. And, you know, when one of them would be angry with me, it didn't threaten me. It didn't, you know, the world didn't shake or, you know, nothing terrible happened. As a matter of fact, you know, I think it was so cute when one of them was mad at me that I'd have trouble not laughing, not giggling. Um, and how much more God, our Father, isn't threatened when we're angry, probably has a hard time not laughing at us. And, um, you know, is not like keeping score. Okay, well, you're mad at me, so I'm going to send an auto accident. Here you go. Spend some time in the hospital. You know, it, it, it isn't keeping a negative score on trying to see how many times I mess up. But wants me, wants to have a relationship with me and wants to spend time with me. And um, I used to think I had no willpower at all in certain areas of my life, the areas in which I had addictions, food, alcohol. Oh, gosh, I used to do all kinds of compulsive shopping. Um, there were a number of years there when I was a workaholic. It was work, 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 work. Um, but, you know, um, having a working relationship, a close friendship with the God of my experience is the thing that allows me to be okay, even when I'm not okay. When things happen and, you know, a bunch of things out of my control have happened, and, you know, I realize, well, I can't control any of this. So, you know, I ask God for peace. Please give me peace. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can, which is me and my attitude, my actions, and the wisdom to know the difference. 
between what's inside my hula hoop and what's on the outside. So, you know, now a big difference is for me that I believe fundamentally all is well. Good things will happen. Um, I know that God cares for me, loves me, and will provide for me as long as I, you know, keep in touch with him and perform his work well. Um, I don't really make a whole lot of plans for ahead of time. Um, it's just easier for me when I do this deal one day at a time and can allow life to unfold step by step. You know, if I'm afraid of the future or afraid that something bad might happen in the future, um, you know, I, I say, okay, God, please remove my fear, make it okay for me, and send me somebody who needs my help. Because that catapults me into the gratitude zone. You know, God only expects me to deal with today's problems, today's needs, um, and I don't have to carry the burden of the universe on my shoulders. Um, you know, I can do what needs to be done today. And then when today is over, I get in bed and sleep and then get up in the morning. Good morning, God. What's, what are you doing today? I hope you let me be a part of it. But having that kind of relationship for me with the God of my experience makes the difference between me being really freaked out by what's happening in the rest of the world as far as public health or the lack of it, vaccines, viruses, you know, who's going to get it, who's not, who's going to die, who's not, you know, I don't have to worry about that. I do know that God is the life giver. And as long as I place my will inside the stream of his will, one day at a time, that I will be immortal until my work on earth is done. And um, then I don't have to worry about that. Now, sometimes I forget. And when I'm living in a place of fear, it's so easy to forget all the miracles that God has worked for me, all the things that, you know, he does for me all the time. Every single day when I wake up and I'm not thinking you know, repetitive thoughts about wanting to drink. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. I don't think about drinking anymore because I've been given a daily reprieve from alcoholism. And taking those spiritual 
activities on every day, doing things, you know, to help others, working with other people who have food addictions, alcohol addictions, um, mental health issues, you know, and sharing my experience, strength, and hope, things that work for me, things that help me along the way. Um... Those are the kinds of things that have become so valuable that I'm not embarrassed to say, hey, I'm an alcoholic. I had a successful drinking career for 25 years, but it didn't end up to be successful at all. And looking back, it really wasn't that successful. You know, I just was anesthetizing my feelings with alcohol. But see, I've been changed. I've been transformed by having a relationship, a friendship with God. And being able to love Him and know that He loves me, knowing I can count on Him, and He takes care of of things, you know, and it's just leaving me, you know, it's, it's got me in a place where I really do feel like I'm safe and protected and, you know, stuff happens. There's going to be pain because pain is this touchstone of spiritual growth. You know, when I hit a growth spurt, it's not going to be comfortable. It's probably going to be painful, and I'm not going to like it. But on the other side of that growth spurt is a peacetime. And um, I have a better outlook on the growth times as well. Because I like growing. I like growing spiritually. I like being able to learn stuff. Because then I can be more helpful. So if you or someone you know is struggling, ask them, is your God too small? And maybe they can find a God who absolutely adores them. Who, if God had a refrigerator, their picture would be on it. And it might just transform their whole life. Thank you, my friends, for listening today. I love you all. You have been listening to Celia Boone, In Search of Peace and Healing. And I appreciate my listeners. And thank you again for taking the time to listen. And we will be back another couple weeks with another episode. Take care, everyone, and be safe. You've been listening to In Search of Peace and Healing with Celia Boone, a production of the Descant Music and Media Group. We invite you to visit our website, muchmoretosay.weebly.com. That's much more the number two, say.weebly.com. 
You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our podcasts are hosted on Spreaker. We're also available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and most podcast directories. Our email address is descantmmg at gmail.com. So like, comment, share, and join the conversation. Thanks for listening.